This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the Tune In radio app. And this is Encounter with God, and I'm Lyle Southwell. And I'm Mon Glash, and this is Faith FM. We have all done our introductions now. now. Everybody knows who we are. We are all identified. No one's in confusion. There you go. Very good. Okay, so Encounter with God, for those of you who may be a new listener and are unfamiliar with it, is our 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible each day around the world, and you get to be a part of it here on Faith FM. I love it. It makes me so excited. Just Even just saying 20 million movement makes me feel like I'm such a part of such a huge global family. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was cool yeah. when we went to Ethiopia and everybody was studying the same passage you know, of the Bible we do on Faith FM. Just it was just Ethiopian. Like, I know, yeah. yeah I was, it was really cool. Couldn't understand a word they were saying, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. had a rough idea whereabouts they were in the Bible, yeah. It was great. Because all I had to do was, uh, yeah, um, look up the, uh, jump online and see what the passage for the day was. For any of you who are new listeners and you don't know what on earth we're going on about, uh, so the Seventh-day Adventist Church every quarter, four times a year, releases a study guide. They release this study study. guide. Yeah, Bible study guide. They release it worldwide. So every country in all different languages um, have access to this this Bible study guide. Uh, They can get it from their bookshops. They can download it online. You can get it for free PDF. uh, And they can get it at their local churches. And it's it's all the same theme. They go through the same study. And, um, And each week... 20 million people around, 20 million believers around the world um, together do this study. And now the study is actually really easy. So there's a page for a day and it's only like a few paragraphs. And so every day, every morning or every evening, you can just spend some quiet time with God with this study guide and it'll guide you through uh, different topics, different Bible uh, books, books of the Bible. And uh, and then on the weekend, the weekend is a special time because we come together on the weekend, we go to church and we study the weekend portion together. You know, with Your small group believers. Bible study. Yeah, and it's wonderful. But here on Faith FM, we do the weekday portions live on air. Indeed, we do. People. Indeed, we do. And of course, it's been around. This has been um, nonstop. I think for about 150 years now. Yeah, yeah. Nonstop Bible study must be one of the longest running Bible studies. Yeah. Around, I reckon. And if you'd like to get a copy, uh, you can certainly do so. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, and uh, we can direct you where to get one. You can get a paper copy. You can get a digital format copy. Um, the paper copies are super cheap. They're in like a few dollars. Um, or if you want the digital format, we can direct you where to go online. I think you just have to Google like, what is it, Sabbath school lesson or something like that? Lesson pamphlet. You know, 2019 or something like that. Just give us a call. We'll send yeah. you the link. Yeah, we'll send it to you. ssnet.org. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, forward stuff. slash lessons, forward slash 19C, blah, blah, blah. You'll find it. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. You'll find but it. But SSS, <laughs> sorry, ssnet.org. Okay. okay, cool. You'll find it there. Anyway, today's passage is Psalms 101. So we have... Uh, Psalms 101. It's got it. a certain ring to it, doesn't it? Does, it, it does. If you it want to know everything about the Psalms, then uh, this is the <laughs> Psalm to read because we are dealing with Psalms 101. This is actually... We are actually reading Psalms 101. Yeah. This is We're, not a... Uh, this is not, it's a not an overview. It's not a course <laughs> yeah. of uh, everything there is to know about the Psalms. It is everything there is to know about Psalm 101. Which, have you yeah. ever aspired to be a princess? Yes. Every little girl has Lyle. Have you ever aspired to be a queen? Uh, not so much. Just a princess? Just more a princess. What, what, what makes the princess more special than the queen? Well, she's more free. 
There's, okay. there's more. There's more. It's before her employment has begun. No, 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 not so much that. It's like when you're in the princess phase, like the the possibilities of stuff happening are endless. The queen is more like she's married to the king. She's set in stone at this castle. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But that's that's how that's the narrative for little girls. That's how we understand it. The princess is not married. The queen. Our queen is married, but she's not married to the king. She's married to Prince Philip, which is was quite a surprise. She's married to the prince. Yeah, which is quite a surprise when you find it out. But in Disney movies, the queen is always married to the king. And the princess is single and going on an adventure. That's why you want to be a princess. Okay. When you get married, then your prince becomes the king and you become the queen and that's the happy ending. So the guys, being the prince is like, eh, you've got to run around and take care of maidens, whereas being the king, yeah, you get to rule everything. (laughs) That's so funny. But it's funny because we're never like the... In the movies, like the the girls are never falling in love with the king. They're always like, "Oh, he's a handsome prince." Yeah, it's they're never like, "Oh, he's a handsome king," because king's like he's old, it's funny that he's short, has a beard and a pot belly, and he's married to the queen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but he gets to rule everything. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. The difference right here between men and women. <laughs> anyway, Oh, uh, dear. Okay, so um, um, have you ever aspired to be? Let me see. Prime Minister of Australia. Oh, every day these days. (laughs) (laughs) I progress. Okay, so when you were a little girl, you wanted to be the princess. Yeah, I never really wanted to be the queen. You skipped straight from the princess stage to the prime minister stage. Yeah, I think once you've matured and you realise that princess is like it's like something you have to be either well for the most part born into, like royal blood lineage, and it's not really a reality. And then prime minister. Like, you just got to be worthy, right? No, no. <laughs> just got to pull a sword out of a stone. No, 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 no. I think I'd be a great leader of this country. Okay. Yeah. All right. I so, really um, this so. is the beginning of your uh, election campaign. You're Look, I think we've known for a while. Hat in the ring. That Mon has a bit of a despotic streak now. <laughs> 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 This radio show might be my platform. <laughs> what about president? Have you ever aspired to be uh, nah. vice chancellor? No. Nah. Is that what you, what's what you have in Germany, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Vice-Chancellor. Why don't you have a Chancellor? I don't know, it's not really part of my language. Like growing up, I grew up in Australia, so Prime Minister was the language that I... But in Germany, why do you have a Vice-Chancellor rather than a Chancellor? Um, do you know what? Let's go out in the airport, jump on the next plane in Berlin and ask them. Okay. We can eat right. donuts when we get there. We need to find out the answer to this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever, but being German, have you ever wanted to be in charge of... Would you rather be in charge of Germany or Australia? Australia, a million percent. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. This, is a, this is a kick-ass country. A great country. <laughs> really cool. Ah, dearie, dearie to me. Okay, so Psalms 101 is all for political leaders. Oh, really? Yes. I was wondering where you were going with this. I'm that's like, why, why I'm asking, asking all of these questions here. And uh, recently we had a head of state visiting Australia who was a Seventh-day Adventist, so James Marape, um, yeah, Prime Minister of New Zealand, right. uh, not also, New Zealand, of um, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, we also had... Um, our nearest, our nearest neighbour... Indeed, yeah. Um, we also had the Princess of Thailand come and visit us too. We did. Yeah, yeah. We did, right here in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Visited Newcastle University. Did you go and tell her? No, no sadly. Hmm. She seemed like a very nice person. Yeah, yeah. From all of the media reports. I think it's kind of um, it's the job description of um, being a, prince, a, a, a royal person to be a nice person. Yeah, yeah. Prime well, Minister, not so much. I think that's cultivated though. And educated and learned. It's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just it's an important part of the job. As I think the media persona is cultivated. Yeah, yeah. We we need we we'd like to look up to these people, don't we? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, Psalms 101. Why don't you give us the first verse there, please, Mon? I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will, I will praise you with songs. This is an interesting um, psalm in our current political environment because we just had two heads of state, uh, James Marape, who is a Seventh-day Adventist, and Scott Morrison, who is a Pentecostal, both very, very devout Christians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, James is a uh, is an elder in his local church. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and holds that position. Um and uh, of course, Scott Morrison. You know, he he's a regular church attender, and and I think that both of them. It, it's kind of weird to be in Australia, and to have a head of state, who I think would actually really resonate with that passage. We're, we're, so. we're, it's not really the norm for Australia, is it? No, not at all. But it should be the norm, mm. and it should be something that you know, as Christians, that you know we aspire to. And it's, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way suggesting we should have a union of church and state. No, we need to have no, a secular government. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to have a secular government. And as a result of having a secular government, we've had lots of secular prime ministers. But that doesn't mean that I am disappointed when we have a religious one. Of course, you know, I think, um, I think it adds a lot. When a, just needs when to not a leader blend is. the two there. That's right. Yeah. As long as politics and church are not blended together, I think it's a great thing when uh, our, our head of state is a Christian person. Uh, but, I mean, I do think secular leaders can do a, a good job as well, provided that they are, um, you know, keeping in mind our religious freedoms and, Absolutely. and protecting the Absolutely. freedoms. I'm not going to vote for somebody. Mm. Because they're a Christian. I'm going to yeah, vote no. for somebody because it's a secular government. I'm going to vote for somebody because they're going to do a good job. Yeah, that's right. That's the issue. That's right, yeah. Um, and someone doesn't have to believe what everyone else believes just to protect the, the religious freedoms. That's right. You just need to protect religious freedoms. I'm going to vote for somebody who's going to stand up for religious liberty. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's probably one of the most uh, important issues that there is for a head of state when it comes to religion is to maintain that separation of church and state and maintain uh, freedom of religion and freedom from religion. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Anyway, let's uh, continue on. That was kind of a short verse. Uh, David, as head of state, is uh, writing this psalm. Uh, Why don't you read us the next verse there, please, Mon? I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Okay. That's pretty interesting. How does that reflect the life of various political leaders around the world? Yeah, (laughs) very interesting. (laughs) Especially in recent times here in Australia. Like, you know, when it's. In recent recent times here in Australia, it's like, who's next? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought thought it was interesting that it mentions in my own home when we tend to think you know what the two should be separate they can do whatever they want at home as long as they're still like running the country properly but then we obviously don't really believe that because we also scandalized uh when stuff happens like what barnaby joyce and like all these people like their personal lives start to get a bit well it became a big it became a big issue when their personal lives became murky because it's like uh should we worry about a a politician's personal life, or should we only worry about whether he runs the country? And we, you and I had a bit of an argument about this on air. We did. Yeah. Which side did I take? I can't remember. You said that, that they definitely correlate, and I said there's not necessarily. No, and I pointed out that uh, we ended up having an argument about Leonardo da Vinci. Um, so not Leonardo, the other guy. 
Uh, Van Gogh. You Vincent have such Van a good Gogh. Memory. Yeah, Vincent Van Gogh. Because I was like, look, Vincent Van Gogh was cuckoo. Cuckoo was a coconut, chopped his own ear off, but his paintings were still amazing. So it didn't affect his ability. Not to, a fan to, of to Vincent Van Gogh paintings. Sorry, you don't even know Vincent. Sorry, Van Gogh Vincent. Paintings. I could, I, yeah, I could, I could. Pick sorry, one sorry, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, it's like easily that? the most famous painting on the planet. Easily the most famous painter. Seriously. Anyway, so Van Gogh, um, it didn't affect his ability to create, um, you know, throughout his career, the fact that he had a, a messy personal life, and and then and then we ended up talking about art. Um, but yeah, that's what I point. That was my point. But you were you were saying that the two are definitely connected because if a person doesn't have the capacity to make moral decisions in their personal life, why would that mean they have the capacity to make? Moral why do we trust them pu- to make moral in, decisions in their, in, yeah. in their um, professional? If they, if they life. lie to their wife, how do they know? How do we know they're going to tell truth to the public right. in their professional life? Yeah. Yeah, I think the two. Yeah, that we 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 could have that discussion again. But uh, here we've got David and. and you know, as uh, the political leader of Israel. He's, and this is an important point. David was not the religious leader of Israel. He was the political leader. They had very, very clear separation of church and state in that nation. So do you think, with the separation of church and state, do you think that means that they should be a political leader and a religious leader? No. They should be a political leader and a religious person. That's what I like. Okay. That's my preference. Uh-huh. A political leader and a religious person. Um... But they should never be, you know, because one of David's descendants decided that he was going to be a political leader and a religious leader. Who was that? Asa. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Uzziah. I think it was the same guy, actually. Uzziah. King Uzziah. And he went into the temple and was, you know, um, offering incense in the temple. And the priest came in and said, you can't be here. You are a political leader, not a religious leader. I'm, you know, sort of adding to the story here now, the, the, the background to it. And uh, he's like, I'm the king. I can go wherever I want. You can't. Mm. You can't tell me. I have the power. If I want to come in here and put incense on the altar, I'll do that. That was an abuse of power. And God struck him with leprosy because yep. church and state are to be separate from each other. And he was not the religious leader. The high priest was the religious leader. He was the political leader. It's actually interesting to note that with this separation of church and state, it's not how. God intends to rule, but it's because humans abuse the power that that we have to keep it separate. Absolutely. Mm. Because God says, I will make you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Mm. God blends the two together when he talks about the kingdom of God. So when you remove sin from the equation, yes, the two are blended together. Uh, But we live on planet Earth. And because we live on planet Earth, sin is not about to be removed from the equation anytime soon. God knows what can happen with that, and so he makes provision. He, he, he sets in uh, rules to protect us, basically. Absolutely. Let's have another verse there, Mon. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. Okay, how many verses have we got for this psalm? There are 11, and we just read number three. Okay, so we've got a few more to go through yet. Uh, what do you think it is? What's the what's the lesson that's coming out in this verse, Mon? What's what's David trying to highlight? I think he's he's pointing out that God is bigger than all the kings, bigger than any of the false gods that people worship. He's like you know he's the top of the food chain. And this is something important for political leaders to remember because I suspect that we have some political leaders around the world right now who consider themselves to be at the top of the food chain. Oh, <laughs> yes, most definitely. He laughed, Mon. Well, did a name come to mind? <laughs> so fast. 
So fast. Um, we probably have, uh, you know, between a, a couple of our big superpowers, i.e. Russia and the United States, maybe two of the biggest egos on the planet. Easily. Easily. <laughs> and I just kind of wonder whether they really acknowledge God as being the top of the food chain. Yeah. It's also interesting in that passage that you do find that God is um, the union of religious leader and political leader, and David is acknowledging him as such, mm. um, which is a which is an interesting observation considering that you know within the nation that that David was ruling over, this separation of church and state was so clear. And so clearly delineated, you know, there's a very, very powerful line drawn between the two that one could not be the other and vice versa. Okay, uh, give us another verse there, Mon. What have we got? I think I might do the next two together because they're sort of similar. Uh, verse 4 and 5, He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. So Do you think there would be a temptation for mm. you, Mon, Yeah. if you were Prime Minister or uh, Dictator of Australia? Dictator Supreme, yeah. Dictator Supreme of mm-hmm. Australia, to consider Australia to be yours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> yep. Don't touch my country. Keep yep, your fingers of off my country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Who is David be. acknowledging that is the actual owner? Yeah, it's God. So, as a head of state, what should your attitude be towards the country that you rule over? It doesn't belong to you. Okay, it doesn't belong to you. What's your role then? You've just been uh, blessed with a temporary position of caretaker. Okay. I like the way you put that, a temporary uh, uh, position of caretaker, because, you know, there are some leaders who come to power and like, yes, I'm going to rule forever. Well, actually, you're not. Yeah, if you think about it, like... Being a, a, a world leader, like of any country, we think of it as in such elevated terms, but really, like, they're just the janitor of that country for a small, small portion of time. That's an interesting one. Uh, just a janitor. You're just a janitor and you're cleaning up a country. I wonder whether Donald Trump would ever call himself just the janitor. Let's get him on the phone. No. <laughs> Why not? We'll give him a call. I'm sure he would uh, chat to us here on Faith FM. I'm sure it'd be very explosive when we called him a janitor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, really when you read this particular passage here... It should be humbling. Uh, it should be humbling. Mm-hmm. And it should help us to recognize that um, whatever it is that has been entrusted to us. So if you are the head of state, a country has been entrusted to you. If you are... Um, a property owner, a portion of land has been entrusted to you. If you have a family, then a family has been entrusted to you. If you are a pastor, a church has been entrusted to you. We all have something that has been entrusted to us. And we are here as caretakers or stewards of uh, that which belongs to God. Because all of this belongs to God and none of it Belongs to us. Amen. Yeah. And this is really, uh, you know, and I like the way that David 
you know, he really highlights the bigness and the and the power of God. Hold your finger there, Mon. Go over to uh, Daniel chapter 2. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to read a passage here. Daniel was a person to speak with authority. Mm. And the reason that he was somebody to speak with authority was because he was an effective head of state. Yep. He was prime minister or grand vizier, we might say, of the Babylonian Empire. Much, much infinitely larger empire than anything than King David ever ruled over. And so, you know, he's able to really uh, speak from a position of experience um, of being head of state. Precious 
overflow with your love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the presence of the Most High. We are the sheep of your pasture. We are the children of your care. So lead us faithfully where we should go, Lord. We know not the way, Lord. So lead us faithfully where we should go. You're listening to Matt and Josie Minicus with Lead Us Faithfully, and that's exactly what we need in our world right now is faithful leaders. Leaders who will do the right thing regardless of the consequences. Uh, there's a very interesting quote right here from a book, Counselors to Parents and Teachers, Parents, Teachers and Students. Um, and this comes, this is in the study guide here. It says, Few of us might be political or national leaders, but we all have roles in life which we have the opportunity to influence and encourage others. These might be in our working life, community involvement, family or church. Um, The vows of David recorded in the 101st Psalm should be the vows of all upon whom rest the responsibilities of guarding the influences of the home. Wow. Wow. And uh, uh, theologians have often actually wondered whether Psalms 101 was written from as a basis of the vows that the uh, kings of, uh, of Judah had to take when they came to power. Oh, okay, yep, yep. And so this may have been, you know, there may have been the vows that David took um, down by the uh, spring, which I have been there and its name is now escaping me, but there was a spring that always went down to, down below Jerusalem where they would um, take their vows. Mm-hmm. And maybe these are the vows that were actually ta- taken, and David has simply, you know, adapted them into a psalm, made them into a song. Yeah. Anyway, we were going to Daniel, and Daniel is a unique character in the Bible, probably the most powerful follower of God ever to exist. Can we think of anyone who held more power who was a follower of God in the Bible? From I mean, a political some of the, perspective. Some of eventually, like, you know, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and Manasseh, they eventually became followers of God. Okay, but Manasseh only ruled over a small nation. Nebuchadnezzar qualifies because he was the world leader one time. step above Daniel and it was a world empire. Manasseh was only a small one? I thought Manasseh was huge. No, Manasseh like, was He was just really evil. The, little right. nation. He was super yeah, evil. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. he was super evil. Um, uh, other than an old Neb, um, Cyrus maybe, yeah maybe, because his empire was bigger. But when you come to Greece and Rome, you know mm-hmm. things definitely go down from there. Um, I can't think of any Have Egyptians yeah, who are followers of God. No, no I'm going to go with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar as being the most pa- powerful political figures in the Bible. Mm, yeah, Queen Esther. Oh, snaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But her reign wasn't as wide-reaching as Neb's was, was it? Yes. No, no that's right. And she was, um, she was not the throne. She was the power behind the throne. Yeah, that's right. As it turns out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Daniel chapter 2. Why don't you read for us verse 20 and 21, please? He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He s- removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. Okay. So what you've got here is a um, really very much an acknowledgement by Daniel that even though he has come into a position of incredible power, that God is the one who places that person there. Absolutely. Which is an interesting thing for Daniel to state. Yeah. As Grand Vizier of the Babylonian Empire. Babylon and the Babylonian Empire uh, was Satan's empire. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. You find throughout the Bible, Babylon is in conflict with Jerusalem and Jerusalem is a symbol of God and his people and Babylon is a symbol of Satan and his people. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You've got you, mm-hmm. From Genesis to Revelation, you have these two cities in conflict with each other. And here you have one of God's people leading Satan's empire, but also stating that it is God who places people in positions of power. Nebuchadnezzar was a despot. Yeah, he was. Seriously. Do you think this confuses people? Like when we see evil people in power and they're like, well, the Bible says that God put them there. Is God putting bad people in power? That's a good question, Mon. Yeah. Did God put Robert Mugabe in power? There is an excellent and heavy question. I think the lesson that is coming out here is that ultimately God is in control of the events of this world and because God is in control, he is able to uh, remove his control at various times um, and so that in the big picture of the controversy, the universe does actually get to see the results of sin. Mm -hmm. Because if God never did and the universe never saw the results of sin and terrible things never happened as a result of sin, the danger of sin would would come back, back again. That's right, yeah. And, 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 you know, for sin to be eradicated, we need to see the depth of sin. And although God, God is has in control, he does back. still give us free choice. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, what do you got for us there, Mon? Give us a couple more verses. Of Daniel 2? No. Of Daniel. Psalms 101. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, whoops. Wait, what just happened? Yeah, Psalms 101 just disappeared out of your Bible. There's 102. I can see it from here. So the one before 102 will be 101, just in case you were wondering. I think I might have been reading the wrong thing this whole time. Mm. I'm not sure you were, because it certainly worked. No, I was reading uh, just the last few verses I got wrong. Okay. Because certainly, I mean, well, the last few verses, they were good verses, and they certainly suited exactly what we were talking about. So let's go back to 101 and pick up from where you left off. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I'll have nothing to do with them. I re- I'll have nothing to do with them. Well, do you want me to finish off this sort of thought? Yeah, yeah. I will reject perverse th- ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I wonder what our world would be like and I wonder how our leaders would react if this was the vow that they had to take and take seriously when they came to power. Oh, absolutely. It would make a difference to some of our political leaders today. 
both here in Australia and around the world. You know, when you look at, well, you just have to look at question time, don't you? Yeah, that's right. It's like, really, is this what's happening during question time? I'm not so sure that uh, our parliament is really heading in a constructive direction right here. Um, And so, yeah, it... um, It's definitely an interesting passage and a challenge to our political leaders, but also a challenge to us because, once again, we can sit here and do a Bible study on this particular psalm and we can say, well, you know, and start pointing the finger at our political leaders, right? Absolutely. We can point the finger all over the place, um, but whenever you point the finger somewhere, what's pointing back at you? (laughs) Four fingers. Well, three three fingers and a thumb. Three well, not really, yeah. Three fingers. There's more know. pointing at you than pointing at them. That's right, yeah. And that is the point here. Okay, so Mon, how do we apply this vow to our daily lives? Exactly what it says. We refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar and you know, hate crooked, uh, crooked dealings and perverse ideas and every evil. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Mm. Does that mean that David will never see any evil? No, I think he's going to be forced to look at evil all the time as a leader. Yeah, as a king, absolutely. He's going to see more of it than anybody else. Mm. But Okay, so if it does not mean that he is never going to see evil, what does it mean? He's never going to choose evil. He's never going to choose to look at evil. Mm. He's never going to be one of these kind of people where it's like, okay, there is some evil happening over there. Let me go and see. It's an interesting... It's an interesting thing, but evil tends to be um, one of the most eye-catching things that there is in our world. And whenever something is evil is happening, what do we naturally want to do as human beings? We just want to go and see it, don't we? Yeah. That's what the news is all about. Six o'clock news. It's a horror story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe sometimes it might be worth uh, not watching the news. The Bible says, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. Think about that today in what you are looking at and place righteous things in front of your eyes. We're going to move on. This is Doris Johnson. Am I a soldier of the cross?
Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. How's it going, everyone? This is Mon and Lyle from The Breakfast Show. Hey, Lyle. Mm? I've got a question for you. Yeah. Is God for real? That's a really good question. In fact, it is such a good question that ex-atheist, devout atheist Peter Watts, is doing an entire series of presentations on that very subject, answering some of life's deepest questions. Are you serious? Can I go to this? You certainly can. It starts this Friday night, the 19th of July at 7pm, and runs every Friday, Saturday and Tuesday night. Do I have to pay? Where can I get a ticket? It's for free. Simply call 0488. Five eight eight nine five five. While I will see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea I know His love is there for me We make our plans And still it's God who directs our ways He knows each step I make He knows each breath I take It's in our darkest hour We find our greatest need He knows what's best for you and me Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up When there's pain deep in your heart Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start Depths of the sea His love is always there for me In every trial we face Precious lessons we can learn My faith grows stronger He 
His hand cuts diamonds from all we see as simple stones. I've learned to place my trust in Him. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain. Yes, we are here somewhere. <laughs> Something is happening. It's question of the day time, and we have a very important question that's come in from a uh, listener who is wondering why God punishes the wicked. But we'll come back to that as soon as we give a clue for this quiz. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that, Lyle. I was watching um, videos of puppy dogs and babies. It's very important. Um, so who you am I? been listening to the wonderful music that was playing. <laughs> who am I? Clue number four. Saul attempted to pin me to the wall twice by hurling a spear at me. Ooh, okay. So we're getting a bit closer now. You know, this is a uh, actually a major Bible character that, that the uh, quiz of the day is endeavouring to give obscure clues. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's hard to give obscure clues about a major character, but these are definitely... Uh, they're trying. They're, they're more obscure clues. Give us a call if you know the answer. Our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Uh, you can text your answer zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Today's prize is the breakfast book by Sue Rad. Lyle, it's definitely time for you to answer this question, it, it, and it is a bit of a conundrum. I understand how this can be confusing for people. You know, um, the, the issue of punishment: does God enjoy punish pe- punishing people? Should we be enjoying punishing people? Should we enjoy watching God punish people? Like, is that really going to happen? Like, it almost seems. You know, is it really in line with God's character? Like this punishment, death. Like it is. A, it is a bit of a bit of a knot. It is, mm-hmm. and particularly when you think about you know the very end of time, where uh, you have this whole um, situation where the wicked are lost. They are going to die and be killed eternally. They are never going to live again. There is nothing that can be done to save them. Yeah. They have chosen their fate. Yeah. 
and God destroys them. The Bible says that they are thrown into the lake of fire where they are burned. And some people, you know, ask the question, well, is that a situation where, you know, God ceases to have, you know, they're just, you know, instantaneously just wiped out. It is a painless end to existence. Or is, you know, there a punitive aspect of what God does here? And the Bible is very, very clear that there is a punitive, punitive aspect to it. And so if the Bible is so clear on that, then we have to ask ourselves the question, why? What is God actually trying to accomplish here? You know, is this uh, um, something that, uh, is the issue here something, you know, do, do I like what is happening here? Or is it something that is actually an act of love that brings about healing? Mm. Um, and so a great passage on this would be, to study would be uh, Luke chapter 12. So read through Luke chapter 12, particularly uh, you know, down in verse 47 where the Bible is um, you know, giving the parable of a servant who, uh, um, and you know, talking about how you know, some servants will be punished with many stripes and some with few stripes, um, showing very clearly that, yes, there are degrees of punitive action by God and many, many examples of it. You know, Korodath and Abiram being swallowed by the earth, God pouring fire down on the 150 men who came to arrest Elijah. You know, we could go on and on through all of these uh, circumstances where God actually intervenes and punishes people and takes people's lives um, because God is... You know, he is the one who reads a person's mind. He knows when their probation is up, it's over. He has the right to actually make that decision. We can never make that decision ourselves, which is why, you know, I'm opposed to euthanasia. Um, it is only God who has the right to be able to make that decision. And so when we consider this subject, we ask ourselves the question, all right, what is God trying to accomplish? Is this something that is going to benefit the wicked? Clearly not. Once a person is lost, and once their destiny has been sealed by themselves, there is nothing that is going to benefit them. All right, so is this then something that is going to benefit God? Is God got something that he can gain from punitive acts, uh, particularly at the end of time? You know, because you could build an argument, you know, looking back at Korodath and Abiram, that it struck fear into the hearts of the people, and so they served God. You know, not such a great motivation for serving God, but people could build an argument around that. Uh, but at the end of time, you can't build that argument because probation is closed. Salvation is finished. It's all over. Um, so does God have something that he can gain from these acts? And once again, the answer is no. Um, then we ask the question, we talked about closure yesterday and the necessity of closure and how that people cannot receive healing until closure takes place. And so the question is asked, um, you know, is this an act that we are going to like? Absolutely not. Mm. Uh, if I was somebody who had had a terrible thing done to me or particularly, you know, more so to my family, you know, if somebody had, you know, uh, murdered my whole family or something or other like that and they went to prison for the rest of their life, I wouldn't, if I was in the United States and they got the death penalty, I would not like that. But does a penalty bring healing? And the answer is that it does. It's universally recognized as a part of the human psyche that closure, something being done about something, you don't like it, but it does bring healing. Would I stand in the way of the judicial system? Say, I've forgiven that person, therefore they don't need to go to jail. No, of course I wouldn't. Justice needs to take place, and that person does need to go to jail um, so that you know I can receive healing 
my friends, my family, my relatives are going to see For his people, slaves in exile, for all their sin. Then the dawning down by the river struck down and silent when he saw. Clothed in white, face like lightning, golden linen, his voice a cry, vision bright, Daniel trembling, mercy and love in those eyes of fire. Daniel fainted, angel touched him, raised him up, said you are loved. Fear not, for God has heard you, that's the reason I everybody that was the lesser light collective with i want to see jesus too here on faith fm and we have come to the end of our show which means we are about to give something away which means that you need to jump on the phone one of the lines is taken already that means there's only one line left open well before we do that i'm gonna give you one last clue for our who am i quiz this okay. is the last clue i wrote Ooh. the 23rd psalm like you could get two prizes right now you get that one and you get the free giveaway and today lyle i'm doing something super duper special lyle i've decided i'm gonna give away two prizes on one day really yeah this is a twin pack you can get a copy of Real Peace, Real Answers. This is uh, part of the Happiness Digest series by E.G. White. Real Peace, Real Answers. Um, happiness is found in knowing God. We know that. And, uh, excuse me, this book goes uh, through this uh, concept. It offers words of help and hope to those who are seeking to understand. 
and you'll find an introduction to a god of love, a god who has outlined a plan to save humans from pain and death. Uh, these are uh, deeply meaningful questions and clear answers straight out of the Bible. And uh, yeah, wonderful message of hope. Uh, find real peace, real answers for yourself. That's a portion of the back cover. And I will also give you a beautiful hardcover um, Holy Bible. This is a beautiful one. It has like a, a blue, kind of almost like a, like a, like a, a snakeskin kind of print cover. Mm. And um, a beautiful full color. It is snakeskin. I don't think it's real snakeskin. No. <laughs> no snakes died in the building, has, in the making of this Bible. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, so it has beautiful uh, color maps. Um, yes, Bible study guides. Uh, has Bible study resources in the back. So you can have the two of them if you're the first person to call through on 1 800. I think somebody already has. Uh, it's 1 800 343. Give us a call anyway, just in case that Maybe person's calling about the quiz. quiz. Yeah. 1 800 Faith FM is the number to call. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. If you would like to learn more about the Bible, give us a call here. We're all about helping you learn more about the Bible. 1 800 Faith FM. Have a grateful day. Yeah.